called You Have Enough Faith. It's actually part three of a series we started a couple weeks ago uh, called Trouble Sent to Shake You. See, there's certain trouble that is straight from the pit of hell. Not all trouble, but there's some kind of trouble. There's some types of trouble that is sent to shake your faith, to make you second guess whether or not God is real, to second guess whether or not he answers your prayers, to make you second guess all of those things. And so these troubles, they come to shake you. And and one of the areas of our life that Satan wants to shake the most is the confidence that we have in our own faith. See, a lot of times there's this myth out there that says that if you don't have enough faith, then God isn't going to do anything in your life. That is a myth. And we're going to dispel that myth this morning. Let me tell you where this teaching came from. Um, When I went to Brazil with Dr. Randy Clark, I was talking about it in the announcement video. Uh, He was preparing us. And uh, he was saying, look, you're going to pray for people when they come for prayer, because all I do and all you will do uh, if you go on the trip is you'll just be a prayer partner all week long. That's all you are. And so I'd sit on the front row and uh, Dr. Clark would speak and then I'd come down and I'd be a prayer partner. And that's where you experience all these healings. And he said, he goes, look, when you're standing there. People are going to walk up to you and you can tell by looking at them that their faith is really high. You can tell. And then other people will come up and you'll look at them. You can tell by looking at them that their faith is really low. They're not even sure there is a God, but they're going to come give it a shot anyway. And he goes, I just want to prepare you that there's different levels of faith. And regardless of what level of faith they're at... God can and will do a miracle in their life. And so I want to talk to you today about the level of faith that you have. Because whatever you're believing for, you have enough faith to ignite that miracle in your life. You may feel like you don't have a lot of faith, but you have enough faith. I want you to say, I have enough faith three times, and I want you to progressively get louder. On three, one, two, three. I have enough faith. I have enough faith. I have enough faith. Man, you sound good. Let's do that one more time so everybody participates. I have enough faith. I have enough faith. You have enough faith. Let's give the Lord a round of applause for that. Now, let me be clear before I dive into the amount of faith you have, because I don't ever want any of us to become comfortable with the level of faith we have. Because faith is indeed a catalyst that ignites miracles. What is faith? Faith is being sure of what you hope for. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, being sure of what you hope for. It sounds like an oxymoron, right? Sure of what you hope for 
and certain of what you can't see. Right? So it, it sounds like an oxymoron. You can't see it. You're hoping for it. But you're certain. It's very difficult. It's a, it's a gift. It's something that God gives you. And it's also something that you cultivate on your own. You can back up and say, I want to be a person with more faith. And you can literally, like grabbing a knob on the volume of your stereo, turn it up. And the way you do that is faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So if you say, I want to be a person that has more faith, I am more sure of what I can't see. I'm more certain of what I hope for. That's who I want to be. So you go back to the scriptures and you read it and read it and memorize it and read it and memorize it and read it and memorize it. And then what ends up happening while you're doing that, your faith begins to increase. Now, why is that important? Because the more faith a person has, the more likely they will receive what they're believing for. Now, God doesn't rule anyone out because they don't have enough faith. But the likelihood of them receiving what they're asking for increases according to their faith. Uh, let me say this, in an, in an atmosphere where, uh, where there's faith, it provokes God to move. That's why I love being at Celebration. I was speaking somewhere uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, sometimes I get asked to speak at different places, and I could tell that the room, uh, that everybody in the room, their faith level was really, really low. In a room like this, you got some people that are kind of new to church, they're new to faith, so their faith is low, but we got a lot of people in the room where the faith is high, because we've seen over 200 miracles and healings over the last few months, so you can't help but to have, have high faith. But I, I can recall, excuse me, speaking, a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. I'm like, I can tell that everything I'm saying, none of you believe what I'm saying. I just want to get out of here and go back to celebration. I just want to get out of here. Have you ever gone to, there's lots of wonderful churches, so I'm not slamming any churches, but have you ever gone to a stinky church and like, I want to go back to celebration? Have you ever done that? It's just like, geez, Louise, and, and there are a lot of great churches, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, there, there's a lot of great churches out there, but if you ever go to a really bad church, like if you're on vacation or something, um, and you just go, man, I need to get home. And if you've ever been there, say yes. yes. And so when there's an atmosphere, it provokes miracles. It provokes it. So you, you want to have a lot of faith. You want to increase your faith. But whatever faith level you're at right now, there's enough there. There's enough there. How many of you have ever started a fire without gasoline or starter fluid? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, what you do is you get kindling and you get these little branches and you start off with getting branches the size of a, 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 a pencil lead and you start off with that and you just need some of it. Now, the more of that you have, 
Then you put the sticks on top of that. Then you put the logs on top of that. But you start off with these little kindlings, this little pencil-lead looking um, uh, types, and you just grab a branch and break them off and put them in a little pile. And you look down at that pile, and you can say to yourself, that's a small pile. I can still start a fire with it. It's just going to take a little bit more time. But you got a big pile of that stuff. Just throw your match and step back and smile. That's what faith is like. The more of it you have, the more confident you can be. But I want to talk about four different people that had four different faith uh, levels of faith. And the first level of faith is weak faith. Somebody who has weak faith. Maybe there's somebody in this room. You barely have faith. You're not even sure if God even exists. I want to encourage you. That amount of faith is enough for a miracle. Then there's this second tier of faith where it's not weak, but uh, it's small. It's, it's some faith. So there's weak, and then there's some, and then there's great, and then there is reckless. Now, reckless is where we all want to be. Reckless is when you just know, I'm getting out of the boat and I'm going to walk, right? That's, that's reckless. So let's just unpack weak faith first. Weak faith, uh, the example is in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 29. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but it's inside of your app. I encourage you to read it when you get home. You read it when you get home, you'll see things that we haven't covered. But weak faith is um, is kind of shown in this scenario because Jesus is speaking out in the middle of a street and there's thousands of people gathered around and this guy comes walking up and his son is demon-possessed. He knew that it was a demon because all of a sudden his son would just like run and just throw himself in the fire. Throw himself in a lake and try to drown himself and grind and, and slobber all over the place. And he comes to Jesus with his son. And he says something very interesting. He looks at him and he says this. Um, he says, uh, if you can, if you can, have mercy of, on us, if you can, heal us. Now, this is where he's at. Like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know if you're capable of doing this. But if you are capable, will you? That's where a lot of people are at. If you ever pray for somebody and, and they're like, I don't know if God can even do that. I don't even know if, if he's real. This guy didn't even call Jesus Lord. I don't even know that he was saved. He called him teacher. Hey, teacher. There's a big difference between calling him Lord and calling him teacher. He's like, I don't even know if you can, but if you can, will you heal my son? A huge need. Weak faith. Jesus looks at him and says, if I can. He looks back at him and goes, if you can believe, if you had any faith, anything is possible. And the guy looks back at him and goes, well... I need you to help me because I don't believe. Can you help my unbelief? 
Have you ever been there before? Say yes. Let me hear you. Say yes. It's like, God, I want to have faith. I wish I had faith, but I don't have any faith. And you got some, you know, lady over here who's ready to get out of the boat and walk on water, and you're like, I wish I was like that, but I'm just not buying it. I don't even know if this is true. So Jesus looks at him, and the Bible says that he had compassion on him. I just want you to know that when the Lord looks at your level of faith, he doesn't look at you and go, you fool, what's wrong with you? I ought to smack you. No, 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 no. He looks at you, and we already know what he thinks. In Psalms 103, verse 14, it says that he uh, has compassion on us because he remembers that we're just dust. He has mercy on us. He looks at you, and your faith is, is down to the ground, and he says, I remember that I made you out of dust. You're not Robocop. You're not a machine. You're not Michael the Archangel. You're a human being that I made out of dust. I see your faith level. I have mercy on you. And he, he's compassionate towards you. Have you ever seen somebody in the mall who's handicapped and you feel compassion for them. That's how the Lord looks at us in these hard seasons when we're like, God, I wish I could be a great man of faith. He just says, look, hey, it's all right. I see where you're at. And then he looks at him and he looks at the child and he looks at the, at the child and he tells the demon, demon, come out. And he was free. So that's weak faith. Everybody say, I have enough faith. One, two, three. And now there's some faith. There's the next tier. There's some faith. A little bit more than, can you? This is, I know you can, but will you? There's a lot of people in church like that. I know God exists. I know he's in heaven. I'm going to come to church for fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. But as far as like him like getting in my life and working a miracle, I think he's one I, I don't he might do it for you. He might do it. I don't I just don't know that he'll do it for me. That's the category. It's 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 some faith. And, and this, the illustration here is there was a man with leprosy in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. He comes up to him and, and he, he says these exact words. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He, he knew that Jesus could do it. But he wasn't sure if he would. If you've been a Christian longer than five minutes, you've been here before. Somebody say true. Three people said true. That's okay. It's, it's, it, you've been, I know you, I know you're capable of it, but I don't know if you can. I, I have something I want to share with you. 
that faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the presence of belief. Doubt is like oxygen. It'll always be around. So if you're going to wait before you ask God to do something special in your life, if you're going to wait for when you have no doubt at all, you're going to be waiting a long time. So long as you have flesh, your flesh will fight your spirit. That's why Paul says, I, I, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I wish I would do, I'm not doing. It's this war. So faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the presence of belief. Uh, the person who, uh, the largest church in America, um, by, by most people's um, studies, Pastor Joel Osteen at, at uh, Lakewood Church in, in Houston. And I remember when my wife and I were on staff there, I heard Joel's mom tell a testimony about when she had cancer and she was praying that God would heal her. And she would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing was happening. And so she looked at her husband, John, and she said, John, I don't think I have enough faith for God to heal me. She goes, I, I keep doubting that he's gonna heal me and i think that that doubt is is keeping me from getting healed and john said something to her that i'll never forget he said to her he goes do you believe that he can and are you hoping that he will she said yes he goes then you have enough faith see you're your, your faith will always have this whisper of doubt. It's kind of like playing on a, a football field. The, the visiting, the, the opposing crowd will always be screaming and yelling. Now, they can't get on the field and actually affect you, but they'll always be screaming and yelling. As you are a professional uh, athlete, you begin to ignore and quiet that side of the crowd as you walk with the Lord, you'll begin to ignore and quiet that doubt. It's like, I've been hearing you my whole life. You're nothing but the father of lies. You're the father of lies. That's what the Bible calls Satan, the father of lies. He invented lies. Anything that makes you feel discouraged, down, and depressed is coming from the father of lies. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I need to get off my sermon just for a minute and just talk just to you, okay? Just to you. When you, when you feel yourself go into a depression and you start entertaining thoughts, you know it's from hell when you feel your spirit do this. When you feel this, that is from the enemy. When your head begins to drop, your highs begin to drop, your shoulders begin to slump, and you begin to feel sick and down, and you feel hopeless. Hopeless means that you don't see any change in the future. You've looked into the future, and you don't see a change. That is coming from the father of lies. You know it's the father of lies because your spirit tells you. 
your spirit feels down, so it's coming from somewhere down. When your spirit feels up, it came from someone who's higher. Do you, are, are you with me? It, 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 it testifies. It tells you. It's like this is coming from somewhere really low. If you're feeling low, it's coming from somewhere low. If you're feeling high, it's coming from somewhere high. You, you can tell. Somebody say, I got it. Come on. Let me hear you. And so uh, he was moved with compassion. Jesus looked at this man with leprosy, and he didn't get mad at him. He was moved with compassion. And he knew that he was just dust, and he healed him. So now we got two people, one person who had weak faith, some person who had some faith, and now we're going to talk about somebody who had great faith. This woman had an issue of blood. Uh, some, some women, uh, I don't want to get too detailed, but I know some people here have, have never been to church before, and so I want to, to make sure that I include them. Some women have a release of blood two or three days in a month. This woman had it 31 days out of the month for 12 years straight. And the Bible says that she had lost all of her money paying physicians. Now, as a pastor, I have lived many, many times with families that are trying to get well and have gone broke paying doctors and hospitals. Just gone broke. How many people know what I'm talking about? Say yes. This was her situation. Now, after 12 years, all of a sudden, she hears that Jesus is coming to town. And she can see him afar off. There's a crowd around him. And she says to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. This is not, this is not the person that says, can you? This is not the person that says, I know you can, but will you? This is the person that says, I know you will, but the ball is in my court right now. That's a different level. I got to tell you, there's a reckless faith, a fourth level that's awesome. But in full transparency, I spend most of my time in the, in the third level. In the third level. I believe that the ball is in my court. It's not always in my court because God decides who he, who he heals and who he doesn't heal. There's sometimes where I'm like, I know God's going to heal this person, and they've died. And there's been other times where I'm like, I don't know that you're, I've prayed for people, and I'm trying to get out of the room because I'm hungry, and I can't wait to go to lunch, and so I make it a seven-second prayer, and they get healed. I'm like, oh my goodness, God heals people when he wants, how he wants. There's no rhythm to it. There's no science to it. There's, it's not predictable. It's, it's just, there's nothing. But I believe, because in, in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, when I draw close to him, he draws close to me. The ball is in my court. Do you understand what I mean? Say yes. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, You will pray, and you will find me when you seek with all your heart. The ball's in my court. Someone say yes. So it's up to me. It's up to me. It's like you're going to kiss a girl for the first time. You move. That may not make it in the third service. 
great faith. She touched him. Number four, reckless faith. Now, reckless faith, I have moments here. And when I'm there, it's fun. It is fun. Reckless faith is blind Bartimaeus. Now, here's the thing about senses. You have five senses, five physical senses. If one of them is not working, the other four get heightened to, to balance out the one that isn't working. Uh, if, if you ever meet a person who's blind, their hearing is always spiked. If you ever meet a person who's deaf, their vision is spiked. What do I mean by that? Have you ever wanted to hear something really bad and then you close your eyes? Say yes. You close your eyes. See, it's it, blind Bartimaeus, his hearing was spiked. He was blind. He's sitting on the side of the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He doesn't know it's Jesus. The only thing he hears is chaos. See, everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. Now, there's different types of Christians. And each type or each tribe, one's not any better than the other, but some tribes are more loud than the other. Let me just tell you, when we get to heaven, we're going to have Baptist neighbors. <laughs> right? We're going to have Methodist neighbors. Well, this crowd that was following Jesus is a spirit-filled crowd. Right? They're seeing prophecy. They're seeing healings. They're seeing miracles. They're a, a bit rambunctious. This is a, a spirit-filled crowd. That's why you guys yell out. And like, if you're Baptist in your room, in this room, you're like, "Hey, shh, the man's talking. Shh, the man's talking. Shh, shh, the man's talking." This was a, a rambunctious crowd. We know that because blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and all of a sudden he's like, "What is going on?" What, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And somebody tells him Jesus is coming. And all of a sudden he starts yelling. Jesus, son of David! Jesus, son of David! And then somebody tells him to shut up. The, one, the people that are laughing, you respond, you would probably respond like blind Bartimaeus responded. Jesus, shut up! It's a good thing I can't find you because I'll go ahead and break your nose. But, and so then he just raises the volume. It's shut up. So shut up. No, I'm just getting warmed up. David! Son of David! He starts yelling even more because he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that if he can get Jesus' attention, he, he's, not, he's going to get healed. That's reckless faith. Now, here's the thing. Somebody in this room may say, how in the world does he know that he can do miracles? The guy can't see. Well, somebody must have told him. And that's what I want to say. There is power in a testimony. If you are the kind of person that you want more than anything else in your life, for God to use you during the week, you want God to use you, the only thing you have to do is tell somebody a testimony. You will see in their eyes, they will light up. God will begin to use you right then. 
Say, so, well, the last testimony I have was like 20 years ago because I haven't been living for God. Tell that one. You say, I don't have any testimonies at all. Tell somebody else's testimony. I got a friend of mine who, blah, 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 blah. Tell their testimony. Anytime you tell a testimony, there's power in that testimony. I got a text message from a friend of mine this morning. He says, hey, I'm going to speak at this church. I'm going to share my testimony. And he's all excited. And I said, there's power in it. And he goes, I know. You share your testimony. There's power in it. There's power. That conversation will go places you didn't anticipate it going. God will begin to use you right then and there. That's why every single week I like to pray for people to get healed. And then the following week, we bring somebody that got healed the previous week to share their testimony. And the reason why I do that is because I know it lifts your faith. Not every single person we pray for gets healed. The people that don't get healed, they need to hear a fresh testimony so they keep their faith up. Sometimes... There's an ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. The psalmist said it like this. He says, every morning I wake up. This is Psalms 5.3. Every morning I'll wake up. I'm back at it again. Laying the pieces of my life on your altar waiting for the fire to fall. If you don't fall today, I'm going to be back here tomorrow. Are you with me? Say yes. And so I just want to say in summary, it doesn't matter what level of faith you have. There is enough faith there to cause a miracle to take place. Now, um, I, I want to bring up um, Stacy Starks uh, to share a testimony. And usually it's a testimony of, of something that's happened to them. But this one is very close to my heart because... Um, for whatever reason, I've had a burden on my heart for children and, and people that have autism or Down syndrome. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, we turned around and we just prayed for all of our children in the room. And we just prayed and we rebuked autism. And uh, I, I want Stacy to, uh, to share a testimony. Go ahead. Um, first, I want to say just a little bit. Um, because it's just such a big thing that God did. Um, whenever Abigail was little, I knew something was wrong, but I never knew what it was. And, um, you know, people looked at me like a bad mom, like you're catering to her, let her do her thing. But I knew she couldn't do things. And so it wasn't until she was 20 that we found out she had autism. I was so upset. I cried and cried. I, um, I, I, <laughs> I cried and cried, and then the next morning I woke up, and I just like kind of rolled out of bed onto my knees, and I said, God, you've got to help me with this, you know, because she's very immature for her age. She's um, she's not going to grow up. Can, can she even go to heaven? I was worried about that. I was imagining her in hell yelling, Mama, you know, that was the devil. But anyway, so I said, God, you've got to help me with this, and uh, that scripture just came said, unless you can become like a little child, can you enter the kingdom of heaven? And I was totally free. I was totally at peace. I was like, God, if there's anyone that's going to go to heaven, it's her. So, I mean, before I was, you know, I was out of it. I was in knots. I was, but now total peace. So anyway, um, 
the Sunday before, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, Pastor Frankie mentioned autism. Right when he mentioned it, I'm like, oh, I claim that one for Abigail. And uh, I could just feel God's presence come on me. I was like, God, I know you're doing something. I know, I know you're doing this for her. And uh, then Pastor Frankie said, wave your hand if, you know, if you're better. And I wanted to wave my hands, but it wasn't me. It was for her. And so I didn't. And then um, he mentioned it again. And um, uh, he said, anyone here, you know, have a child with it? And so, like, I, like, you know, went like this. And I didn't think he could see me because I'm short. And so I kind of walked up. And he goes, do you have one? And I said, yes. And so he said, will you come over here and pray for kids with autism? And so... I was like so glad because I thought if anyone can pray for that, it's me because <laughs> I know. And um, so anyway, uh, I don't even know what I said. I prayed and then I went home and I thought, okay, what in the world just happened? What is going on? Um, so how do I handle this? So someone with autism gets overwhelmed at just simple things and you have to repeat a lot to them. You have to, uh, every time, um, you know, she has to do something. I have to go over it with her beforehand. And so anyway, I was like, okay, I'm, well, I'm not going to tell her because she's going to freak out. She's going to get overwhelmed. And I don't want her to feel like she has to perform. And so I didn't tell her. So I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to test her. <laughs> and so the next day before work, I wrote out a list of things to do. Okay. And I left it there. You know, like I didn't explain it to her. I just left it there. And then I went to work. And I knew when she got up, she would look at that. I'm like, what is she thinking? She knows I can't do all this. I, uh, you know. So anyway, I get a call in the afternoon. I'm on my route delivering the mail. And, hey, Mom, how are you doing? And she goes, hey, I just want to let you know I did everything on the list. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, and another thing is, is like I could tell her to do one thing, like go to Walmart and pick up some milk. But if I say, hey, I want you to go to Walmart, return an item, and then take Seth's glasses and have them fixed then she really freaks out because there's two instructions to do at one time. And so I said, wait, you got Seth's glasses fixed? She goes, yeah, I got them fixed. And you did this? Yeah, mom, I did everything. And I said, oh, okay. So what are you doing now? She goes, well, I'm on my way to the doctor. And I was like, doctor, I forgot about the appointment, but she remembered it, went by herself. Cause usually I go with her cause she's afraid to go by herself. You know, what if I say the wrong thing? I can't handle this. What is the pressure? And uh, so she went by herself, and she was on time, okay? <laughs> so that was major. Then, so that was just Monday. Tuesday, she had a TSA appointment and uh, that I made for. I was going to go with her, but I didn't say anything. I just wanted to see if she could do it by herself, which is really hard because it's, um, you know, government official. You bring your birth certificate and your driver's license and uh, they fingerprint you, which that's a big thing, and they take your picture, and uh, she went to it all by herself and did it. Wow. I was like, oh, my gosh. So Wednesday comes, and then she, she gets up, and every morning, I usually wake her up, like, more than once. You know, and I'm like, come on, time to go to the today, let's get up, come on, come on, come on. And um, so it's hard to get her up. But anyway, this week, she got herself up, all week. She got up, and she started cleaning her room. Okay, she hadn't cleaned that room in months, but I kind of, you know, let that go. It took her two days to clean that room. She washed all her clothes, folded them, put them up, organized her stuff. It took her two days to do it. She did that. So, but the best day was Friday, and um, 
she come to my room and woke me up. <laughs> Which that was, you know, because I always wake her up. She woke me up and said, hey, mom, I made you breakfast. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. And so then it had been raining for days. And usually she would say, or I would, t when it's raining, she's, already, she's going to work. And she would say, um, but what if it's flooded out there? What if there's traffic? What if I get stuck? What, you know, she's asking me all this stuff beforehand. So she didn't do that. And I was fixing to just, you know, tell her, hey, um, I'm going to look and make sure the roads are clear for you. But before I could say it, she said, hey, mom, will you check to see if the roads are clear? <laughs> okay. She doesn't think like that. Okay. And um, so then she went to work and then I walked in her room and she had made her bed. And I, I was just blown away. And then that's when I started writing everything down that happened during the week. And I just kept praising God, saying, thank you, God, for doing this for me. Thank you for healing my daughter because I never thought that she could uh, have responsibilities. And, and I thought I'm always going to have to take care of her, but now I, I don't. And I feel like um, it was a Mother's Day present that he gave me. And because, um, you know, he's like that. <laughs> and so... I didn't tell Abigail anything that happened until last Sunday night because I thought she's going to be here this morning, but she's not. And um, so I told her everything like I told y'all, but more detail. But anyway, um, the, she, she just started crying and crying. She goes, Mom, thank you. Thank you for always praying for me. Thank you for this. She goes, I was wondering what was going on this week, but now it all makes sense. I love it. <laughs> Give the Lord a big round of applause.